evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network, Golden Gold Press, and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to the New York Red Bulls 2 of the USL Championship. Tonight, we're going to talk about, I think, a, a draw that kind of felt a little bit like a loss. Nothing terrible, but certainly a, a little bit of a drop-off. Uh, we don't have a guest, so we're not going to be uh, interviewing anyone, and we're previewing what has to be the match of the weekend number one versus number two new york red bulls versus tampa bay rowdies the rematch that probably won't decide where either team finishes in the standings but it certainly <laughs> will be interesting to see joining me tonight uh as as sometimes it's mr joe steen hello joe how are you doing uh i'm good um a little disappointed they couldn't close that game out despite being up to nothing after the uh early on but um you know a draw is better than a loss but uh they definitely need to get ready for uh friday that is for sure they they created a lot in that first half we'll get to that in a little bit um but you know uh, the, the 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 disappointing second half for the red bulls too i think was made up uh by the red bulls one winning despite playing far worse in the second half. The, both teams mirrored each other a little bit this weekend. I think it's fair. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, n- most notably about this match, Brandon Allen <laughs> punishing his former team, <laughs> scores two goals. Look, anybody that knows Brandon uh, and what he's a- a- capable of doing in the box knows that you can't give him any space because it's only going to take a touch or two He's going to find the channels to run into. You just got to keep a body on him and not lose him. And the Red Bulls did neither of those things on the goals. And he could have had a third. He was wide open at one point at the top of the box, but uh, sent his shot sailing uh, over. But let's before we get into that too much, let's talk about the good part of the match, which was the first half. Our, our guests last week. Jean-Christophe Kofi and Chris Lima play a big part in the first goal, which was also Jordan Scarlett's first goal of his career. Congrats. Uh, really nicely worked set piece that had to be kept in play in Memphis's half. They were able to close down the ball as it popped out uh, and send the rebound back into the goal to the far post. Jordan Scarlett gets ahead to it, up one nothing. Things are looking good. It's early on. Memphis, obviously not a great team this season, so things could be uh, going uh, in the Red Bulls' direction. Kyle Duncan then, towards the end of the first half, sends in uh, a really nice cross. Again, gets to the back post to Jared Stroud, who really, he biffs his first touch, uh, scuffs trying to get to the ball on the second one. It pops out to Vincent Bezigort, who is able to clean it up and and send the Red Bulls into the half Two nothing. You look at that scoreline. You look at this team on the road, and you think, "All right, good. Uh, this is going to be an easy win from here on out." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, they, they the first half was very good. I thought they did a lot of good. I, uh, credit to uh, Kofi and Lima uh, for keeping that corner alive, and a great cross by Lima. And congrats to Jordan for score, uh, scoring his first goal. I know he's he's been unlucky with a couple. I think he's been denied by a couple of really good saves. He's, uh, these last couple seasons, so it was good to see him make that run on the back post and get the goal. Uh, the second goal, I, I honestly didn't have, I had no idea how Jared didn't score there, but uh, I'm happy for Vincent Bezicourt to get one because uh, he's been a little unlucky since uh, 
he's come back with the two team and uh, played in a few matches and hit the post a couple times. I think he's hit the bar once. So it was uh, it was good to see him get um, on the score sheet. And they did a lot of good in the first half. But as we'll talk about, the second half was not so good. Yeah, in, in particular, Vincent Bezicourt, Eric Friedlander during the match. He may have done it on the Red Bull News Network account. He may have done it on his own account. Uh, commented that Bezicourt was invisible. I did counter and say that no, I didn't think so. I thought he was closing things down well. He was shuttling the ball well when he got involved. But he really didn't do the things that you want to see from a 10, which was kind of look for the ball and look to play it forward and look to kind of open up spaces where he could and create chances for the team. And no other place in the stat sheet do you really see that reflected uh, better than looking at Matthias Jorgensen, who had zero shots on the night. That is a really telling stat. And I think that speaks... Uh, not just to his, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, development, uh, when I've talked about him not being able to necessarily play with his back to the goal, and he's always looking to get the ball on the run and to his feet, but specifically to Bezicourt, who he and Jorgensen really did not connect on the night. No, and I, I they, they've struggled this year with actually finding someone who can consistently play in the 10 role, because obviously uh, last year, who someone will who's uh, familiar to them, uh, who's now in Tampa. Andrew Tenari did a really good job of that last year, creating chances. But this year, they really haven't found somebody who can consistently perform at the 10, and that's, I think that's kind of hurt them going forward. Maybe a little bit. I think both Jared and Chris have done a very good job of creating chances from a central position, but neither of them has really taken that role by uh, uh, the, um, the scruff in the neck, if you will. They, they've they've shown flashes, but they haven't necessarily put their stamp on it and made it their role, which is why I think you're still seeing a lot of, of uh, rotation and shuffling, trying to figure out uh, who fits best there. But you also have to deal with Bezicourt, who's rehabbing a fairly significant injury, the second one of his young MLS career. And, you know, I think that makes things a little bit difficult for John, but not uh, something that's entirely impossible to to overcome right but uh, i think chris does it better from a deeper position um but uh i think uh, john christoph kofi i thought uh, had a good game um i think that's uh, two or three performances he's put in uh in a row that he's put in a really good uh really good performance since coming back from his injury uh which is good to see i mean i don't I, i'm not opposed to john maybe trying chris out there more and playing kofi and and Zayat's back in deeper roles. But they just, I, I think, against tougher teams, it's going to be tough to break them down without having a consistent performance from that role. Fully agree. And when I talked to Kofi last week, one of the things that really struck me was I was expecting him, because of all of the time that he's been on the field uh, before getting to Red Bull 2, he played in a far more advanced position. He was more of an attacking midfielder or even a withdrawn forward, which he acknowledged on the show. But apparently, he much prefers to play that destroyer six role. And I think you're starting to see some of that uh, when he's out there more than we had previously. And I think in this game, you saw him do a really nice job of closing things down and and keeping uh, or taking care of the ball rather and that helped create some stuff in the first half and just overall his his passing was smart it wasn't uh necessarily 
cutting or or creative, but it did the job of, of the six in this system, the destroyer role of of trying to to you know hoover up any balls through the middle of the field, shuttle out to the wingers or further upfield to whoever's playing the ten role, and just kind of help transition. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 you mentioned it that you know I, I've, I've won, I at times I've wondered about him playing that more advanced attacking role, but I, I think he's like you mentioned he's starting to grow into the six role, um, and I think that's a good sign because they had a lot of high expectations for him uh, when they signed him, and uh, this season early on I think maybe you know him and Chris were still trying to figure out some things together because it was their first time playing together, but now I think you're starting to see it pay off. Yeah, fully yeah. agree. Okay, second half. <laughs> Memphis really, I mean, they score very early in the second half, and that really set the game up to be difficult heading down the stretch. But if you look at that goal that they gave up, the Red Bulls, I mean, Brandon Allen, he's hanging around the back post. He's he's hanging out with Janusz Luba, who, of course, is a, uh, a converted winger. He's not a... a um, sorry, I said winger, but I meant wing back. He is a natural winger, but is learning the defensive position. So I'm okay with with him having these sort of lapses from time to time. But Janusz Loba is is kind of keeping an eye on him on his back shoulder. Once, um, uh, who had the uh, Lagos Kunga? I think had the assist on it. Once Lagos Kunga gets down the wing, and now there's no danger of Allen being offside. He reads that so well. He drifts inside. He makes the run to the near post. And it's just the easiest tap in it. And it's the kind of goal that Brandon Allen, we've seen him score so many times. Yeah, and it, he just, I mean, he just really just fell asleep at, you know, at the back post and just let him drift in front of him. Like you mentioned, it's a goal. It, it, when, when someone who's scored that many goals in USL is on the field, you have to be aware of him at all times and, uh, Janos just lost them, and it was just an easy tap in. And, and I mean, that goal seemed to give Memphis life. A hundred percent. And like I said, I mean, that came early in the second half, so I was ready for this to really shuffle around. Red Bulls didn't do a terrible job of of creating a little bit in the second half, but it was clear that they kind of came out with that stereotypical two goal lead attitude, which was. You know, we we've got this game well in hand. Everything's going to be fine. You know, we will take care of it on the defensive end, and then we don't have to worry about scoring another goal. And that obviously played into uh, Memphis's hands because they continued to find space and chances. Anytime the Red Bulls tried to venture upfield, it was usually without n- numbers, and they quickly turned the ball over. And then Memphis was kind of off to the races on the other end. And we've seen this team kind of fall apart at times. I mean, look look at that Bethlehem Steel game uh, as yeah. a very recent example. I don't feel like it was that bad. Um, but still, you know, I know the heat was was awful on the day and the humidity was awful. But they had that game in hand and... I think it just speaks to how young the team is when you see them lose concentration like that and kind of fall asleep and, and struggle. Yeah. I mean, this is the first loss this year where they really, 
Uh, I think in years past, we've seen these kind of losses or, 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 or I'm sorry, draws or <laughs> losses that they've had where they've uh, they've been up. I think it, you mentioned the Bethlehem Steel game where they were up last year, and you know they they you know they uh, they allowed two late goals. There, there's been games like this where in in the past where they've they've had a good comfortable lead on the road and they've kind of gone lax. They've done it at home a couple times too, but I, I think this is a good learning experience for them. Uh, even though I think it's it, it was it was a big two points dropped because they really could have pulled close within Tampa, uh, to Tampa, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because they're a young team. It's you know, it, it's all about development, and I think this is a big learning curve for them. I mean, when they get up, they got to make sure that you know there's there's you know there's constant communication. They're talking to each other. They're you know they're not they don't go lax and they don't allow teams to get back in the game. If this was a home game, I feel like they put Memphis away and they probably win this like four one or something like that. But on the road, it's a much different story. Fully agree. And you mentioned it, a win here would have been really big in terms of this coming weekend. If they were at 40 points instead of 38, then this match could have been uh, potentially for first place. They're tied on goal differential with Tampa Bay, so that would be really interesting. Obviously, that will not uh, come into play here. Even if they win, they'll still be two two points back from Tampa Bay, so a little bit rough. Uh, Let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Um, I'm going to give it to John Christoph Kofi. I thought he did a, uh, you mentioned, we talked about this before. I thought he did a really good job in the midfield. Um, doesn't get the assist on the goal, but does a great job to keep the ball alive. He, you know, he shuttled the ball to the wingers very well. I, I thought he had a pretty good game. Yeah, I agree with you. I was going to give it to Kofi also because I need to give it to somebody else just to be different. (laughs) I'm going to give it to Jordan Scarlett. I thought overall he had a fantastic match. His passing out of the back was great. Uh, He did a great job of closing things down when they were around him. Uh, Unfortunately, his partner on the left side kind of let both goals go in. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) overall, he he played great, and he had his first goal of his pro career. So I got to give him the props. I'll give it to Scarlett. You give it to Kofi. Guys, congrats. Good work. Now we turn our attention to Tampa Bay Rowdies. Listen to this record. 12-1-7. 12-1-7. and seven. I know you think it might be a Bob Lilly team. It's not. <laughs> it's Tampa Bay. In their last five, they are 4-0-1. Oh, their only loss on the season came against North Carolina FC uh, a couple of weeks ago. Away from home, 6-0-3 oh, on the season. So this is set up for a really, really interesting uh, uh, um, matchup because of how well the Red Bulls have played them at home in the past, and we'll get to that in a minute. Their uh, their most recent five match uh, record came against St. Louis, a four one win, Swope Park Rangers three one win, Ottawa Fury a two one win, Bethlehem Steel a two one win. They drew Pittsburgh one one. Their goals leaders are Sebastian uh, Guinzetti. He's got 12, Juan Tejada with seven, Lucky Cosana who transferred to Tampa Bay. I don't remember who moved in that deal, uh, but he's got five. Uh, Tanari, Leo Fernandez, uh, have three. Zach Steinberger, two. Sean Barry, David Najem, and Caleb Richards have one apiece. So they're really spreading the scoring around. There's a lot of guys that can um, cause problems for defenses in there. Assists leaders, Leo Fernandez, five. Tanari, four. No surprise there. Guinzetti, 
Guinzati, Guinzetti. I'm sorry. Uh, he's got three. I think it's Guinzati. Okay. Uh, Malik Johnson, Sean Barry, Kwadu Poku, Jan Ekra, and Lucky Kosana each have two. David Najem and Zach Steinberger have one. So a lot of the same names. What that tells you is uh, the the attacking components of this team are really well disciplined. They uh, combine very well to create chances, and um, they're finding a lot of success through that core group. Uh, they are a defensive first team, but over their last you know month or so, a little bit more than a month they have been unable to keep a clean sheet. So they're at least giving up a goal a game uh, throughout that time period. Two of those goals came on set pieces. A majority of the goals came on counterattacks or counterattacks that led to penalty kick goals. There was five of those. And uh, just, you know, a defensive mistake accounts for the other one. Red Bull 2 have never lost to Tampa Bay Rowdies at home. Never. (laughs) So this is this is poised for a really oh, interesting match. Joe, where is this game going to be won and lost for you? I would say the midfields. I think Tampa Bay's midfield really doesn't get enough credit in how they have shut down uh, teams. I think Poku and Odoro do a really good job in the center of the midfield. I think Fernandez and Johnson on the outside are really talented and they they get forward very well and this team loves it. I mean, against St. Louis, I saw this team score two really nice goals on the counter. Um, I think it's going to be one of the midfield. I mean, is it, it, it or you know, whoever starts, is it going to be Lima and Zayats or is Lima, Kofi and Zayats, or all three of them, or Lima, Kofi and Zayats all going to start? I think this game's it's going to be, it definitely is going to be one of the midfield. It's up and we don't know who's going to start up top. It could be Jorgensen, maybe Tom Barlow's down again, but they're going to have to also get service in the Jorgensen. I mean, they've, this team has played well at home, but they're also going against one of the best road teams that does not concede a lot of goals, that frustrates you, constant, that constantly frustrates teams, and they like to hit them on the counter. And potentially, th- this is a bad matchup for Red Bulls too because they like, and when they, you know, when they're at home, they like to press. You know, they like to press. They like to get you in trouble. They like to get an early goal. If they don't get an early goal in this game. Is Tampa going to be able to frustrate them and possibly wear them down and get them in the second half? I mean, that's that's what I'm wondering. That's a very, very good question. Uh, their last uh, bunch of road matches, so there's that draw against Pittsburgh, a big win over Swope Park. I mean, Swope Park's not much of a, a com- com- <laughs> competition to this year, but it's fine. Uh, they beat Beth Steele 2-1 at home. Uh, or Sorry, at Beth Steele, rather. They beat... Birmingham, they beat Nashville, they drew Indy, they beat Atlanta too. You know, like these are all very, very good results. The one thing that I noticed about them and where they give up a lot of chances is when they overcommit numbers forward. And if they're playing teams that have a lot of speed in transition, they can struggle. And that's where a lot of those, you know, fouls and penalty kicks uh, come from. They gave up, I think, three in their last six games i want to say um because they they overcommit they get numbers up they play a high line because they like to press very similar to the red bulls and when you're able to break that it's a a big problem for them so they really scramble and try to to get back and it can cause them a lot of problems i don't think their defenders are necessarily great at defending when the ball is on the ground, if you start playing in crosses against them, they really excel in just clearing everything out and, and keeping it 
sort of uh, uh, neat and tidy in the back. And that's where a guy, you mentioned him, Tom Barlow, I think would come in and be very, very important in a game like this if they're able to play him. Matthias Jorgensen also has the kind of speed that that would trouble them. But obviously, Barlow, a far more clinical finisher in that regard. So if Tampa comes out and they press and they, they start trying to impose their will and are creating a lot of chances, they're going to keep their line high and near the midfield and there's going to be space in behind. So if the Red Bulls can take advantage of that, they're going to do very well. If you remember last time out against this team, uh, I want to say that that uh, Amarildo started up top, maybe also Elney. I'm going to go back and check this to, to be sure. I think uh, it was Amarildo. But you had that. You had Preston getting one of his first starts. and he. Oh, uh, no, Jorgensen started up top. Okay. Uh, you had Preston getting one of his first starts and, you know, really struggled. You saw uh, Ben Mines had a, a really, really tough game when they played last. And they only played two in the midfield. It was Kofi and Lima. I guess Stroud kind of counts because he was playing underneath, but he kept drifting mm-hmm. wide. Um, and they really struggled with the pressure that Tampa Bay was able to get on them. I think... In this case, you want someone more like Zayats, who's going to be up to the physical challenge and create issues. John Tolkien, I could see maybe getting some more time in this match because of how well he's played lately. And I think you're going to see a stronger overall New York Red Bulls too. And that could uh, help them get a result and a big result at home if they're able to do it. Yeah, I think I mean I want to see what uh, what John Wolniak's going to do here. Is is Bezicourt still going to be with the team? Is he maybe going to try and push Jared outside and maybe move Eve, uh, Lima into that maybe ten role and maybe play Zayats and uh, and Kofi in a deeper role? I mean, th- this team's it's a much different team. I think it's a team that's higher on confidence, and they they even seem to be confident this week because they're playing at home. They really don't lose at home that well. They, Like you've mentioned, they've beaten Tampa both times they've played them in the past at home. So I, I wonder, I just wonder, I mean, in Tampa, the biggest thing I think with Tampa is Andrew Tenari hasn't played in a lot of their game, And recently, I think he's injured. Um, and they've still gotten results. And hasn't they really haven't missed, uh, missed a beat with them. So uh, I wonder how, again, you, you talked about it, how they're going to break down the press. What are they going to try and do? Um, and if they, you know, if they don't, again, the biggest thing is they're going to have to be patient because, again, Tampa's a very good defensive team and they're going to have to be able to play the ball without giving it away too cheaply like they, they've they done a couple times this season. Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned Lima up top with Zayats and Kofi behind. I think that that could be a really good pair in terms of breaking down the press. Zayats would have the, I think, the biggest curve to overcome just because he's not the biggest guy on the field. Uh, You can potentially bully him or get him to make sort of these uh, uh, revenge tackles. But I think Uh just having a more physical presence with those three would help a lot. And Lima, you know, he's second on the team. Jared, I think, is leading with chance to create it with 57. Lima's got 54. That's more than anybody on uh, the Tampa Bay team. And, you know, I like it. They do it by committee. I don't think the Red Bulls are able to do it 
as easily by committee. I think usually you're seeing Lima and Stroud really play the biggest roles on these goals. Uh, but I, I think staying a little bit compact, trying to play quickly through the midfield and then spring one of those, what I call home run balls to a guy who can beat the back line is, is the way to go for this team. Yeah. And I mean, they do have Epps and I mean, Jorgensen. So, I mean, maybe that's pro that's not a bad idea. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it, this game is probably going to be their toughest game of the season. I think, um, especially because Tampa has not conceded a lot on the road. Yeah. It'll definitely be interesting. I want to get your take on who's your preferred uh, front line and midfield trio. Um, like you're you're sorry, you're John Wolinek. You're setting up this match. You're putting the team sheet together, or it's FIFA, and you're putting the team sheet together. <laughs> Who who's starting for you? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it's who I have available. I'm Jorgensen. I'm guessing is going to be available, so I'm starting Jorgensen up top. Jared, uh, Jared on the right, and Epps on the left. I'd probably have Lima, and then uh, Zayats and Kofi. Okay, I. Personally, uh, I would say Barlow up top. Stroud. Well, it, I, if, if, if we have Barlow, I'm taking Barlow, I can't see but. why he wouldn't be available. Just because uh, Brian and Brad are both uh, healthy and playing and getting minutes. I don't think the first team needs to have all of them. Uh, so we'll see. They're both playing home matches this weekend. So everybody, mm, everybody in theory, is, is in play. But so Barlow, Stroud... Uh, Epps on the right, midfield trio of Lima, Kofi, and Zayats is the way to go. I agree with you for that part. Okay. I guess every other part. It was only Jorgensen or, or Barlow. Right. Your your uh, answer was more pragmatic. Mine was more wish list fulfillment. <laughs> okay. With all that in mind, you know what I'm going to ask you? I need you to prediction. give me a prediction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um. Uh, they have not. They have played so well at home this year. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say a two-two draw. Okay, I think that that would be a very respectable draw. I'm gonna go back to what they did against Tampa Bay last year at Red Bull Arena. Oh my god! <laughs> I think that right. there is going to be extra motivation from the way that they finished the game against Memphis, extra motivation to prove themselves against a team like Tampa Bay. And they are going to knock it out of the park. I'm going to call this not a five, nothing win. I don't think it's going to be like that, but I'm going to say that this is a three, one victory for the New York Red Bulls. It'll be the second loss of the year for Tampa Bay. It will mirror their loss against North Carolina. I believe it. Stamp it. Get it out there. That, that's definitely not what's going to happen, but that's what I believe is going to happen. <laughs> um, okay. I like optimism. Thank I, you. I just, I mean, maybe, maybe they will have. Maybe they will have. A, I, I think they do have a bit of extra motivation, but I think I think Tampa Bay is a really, really good team. Tampa Bay is a, a darn good team. If they get a result here, it'll be huge for them. They've stepped up to the plate against big teams at home uh, for the most part this season. North Carolina caught them. Uh, Ottawa got a draw against them, but I, I think 
I think they're going to be able to do it here. Let's take a look at the standings. Tampa Bay, as we mentioned, is up top, 43 points, followed by the New York Ritables 2 at 38. Indy 11, breathing down their neck, 37 points, only 18 games played. They're catching up. Uh, North Carolina, 34. Nashville, 32. Ottawa Fury, 32. Louisville, 30. Pittsburgh, 29. Charleston, 26. Charlotte Independence, 23. So just in that top 10, there are 20 points separating one from 10. I'm just going to keep that in mind for later. 20 (laughs) points between those two. Under the line, Beth Steele, St. Louis, Birmingham Legion, Loudoun, Memphis, uh, who moved into 15th place just over Swope Park Rangers because of the draw this past week. Uh, Hartford Athletic, and then Atlanta United 2 sitting bottom of the table. I I don't have a reason to hate Atlanta United 2, but it does it does feel good to see an Atlanta team at the bottom of the table. Um, Fair enough. What's the what's the biggest surprise for you at this point in the season? Um, I'm gonna say Ottawa Fury being in the in the top eight. I think um I think they've uh last year they weren't really a very good team and this year they've put it together quite well and I think they're probably one of the more underrated teams in the East. They're not really being talked about a lot. I fully agree. They're they're defensively responsible and anytime you can do that, you can get good results against good teams. Their last two matches are a 1-1 draw against New York Red Bulls uh, and a 1-1 draw against Louisville City. Or sorry, not their last two, their last three. And a 4-0 win over Swope Park. So they can hang in matches with good teams. They only lost 2-1 to one to Tampa Bay. And they can beat the teams that are under them. And when you can do that, you put yourself in a great position to make the playoffs. You're in, you're out. Um, Indy 11 is the team that I'm keeping the closest eye on because... They have the games in hand. That means they're going to be playing quite a few games coming up. Um, I don't think that hits until later in August. They have a, a really difficult week um, from August 18th. I guess it's not a week, um, but a, a difficult kind of couple of days from August 18th through let's see, really September 11th. They're playing a ton of matches. It's St. Louis, Charlotte, both uh, St. Louis is obviously on the way down, but Charlotte is on the way up. Louisville, Indy 11, or sorry, <laughs> New York, <laughs> Charleston, and then Ottawa. Oh, and then Bethlehem Steel, it keeps going. So they have a, a ton of games. That's all between August 18th and, what was it, September 14th. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting how they manage that that squad because I mean that's a couple of those games aren't easy. The Louisville City game isn't easy. Uh, St. Louis, I think they'll beat. I think they'll beat, and then they got. Uh, I mean, then they have you know Red Bulls two coming. I mean, they got to play Nashville, North Carolina before they start that trip, which I mean two road trips, which are not going to be easy for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have a very tough part of their schedule coming up. Yes, as do the New York Red Bulls too, uh, which we've talked about many times. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting end of the season. If Red Bulls too can stay, you know, towards the top of the pack, they have as good a chance as any to finish on top. But I, you know, Tampa Bay is really not given much ground lately. Okay, let's head out west. Phoenix Rising, <laughs> forty-one points at the top. 
they are uh, above Reno, 1868, by three points. They've got 38 points. Fresno chasing them down. Arun Basulovic, uh, who I did not even realize was in the league this season. <laughs> I apologize, Arun. Uh, 37 points right behind them. Then there's a little bit of a drop-off. 29 points of Austin uh, Bold. El Paso Locomotive also on 29. Real Monarchs and Portland Timbers on 28. Sac Republic, New Mexico, and OKC all on 26. Um, from top to bottom, there's still a pretty big gap uh, for these teams. It's almost it's about 15 points. There it is, 15 points. Yep. Um, but from four to 15th is six points <laughs> the west the wild wild west crazy things happening there it seems like most teams under sixth are not stringing anything together right now everybody is just losing in bunches and presumably all to the same couple of teams <laughs> Republic, uh fresno phoenix obviously real monarchs the teams at the top are really pulling away uh, under the line, San Antonio, Las Vegas Lights, Rio Grande Valley, Orange County SC, LA Galaxy 2, Colorado Springs, Tulsa Roughnecks, and Tacoma Defiance. Now, Joe, before the, before, I almost said before the match, before the podcast, okay. you were telling me Phoenix Rising is the best team in USL. Yes, I, 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 I firmly believe this. I, but I don't know how. Um, well, uh, look at, how they're just basically destroying everybody in the West. Yeah, but it's the Western Conference. The the conference has traditionally not been great at keeping the ball out of the net. Yeah, but they've won nine in a row. It's not like, you know, they've won like ah, oh, that they've won like three in a row. They've won nine in a row. And the 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 way they're playing, the goals they're scoring, the link up play, the from I mean, I some of these goals they're scoring, I mean, like they're they're in like goal of the week category every other week. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, these like they're these are like goals that I mean that they're just they're basically just scoring goals for fun. I mean, and and they're not even really they're they're not conceding much. I mean, if I, I would be you know I would I would be apprehensive if it was like oh okay you know they, they're scoring a lot of goals but they're also giving up. They're not really. I mean, the West is really known for scoring and they're not really conceding a lot either. In the top eight or fifteen rather in the top fifteen for goals scored in the league for teams. Eight of those teams uh, come from the Western Conference. Most of those uh, are, are teams towards the top. Phoenix, Reno, Portland, SLC, Fresno. I just, I look at that and I think that that's absolutely, um, you know, proof that the attacking talent in the West is absolutely high. And then when you look at it on the other side for goals conceded uh, from the same sort of perspective, well, I got to do a count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten of the top 15 uh, goals conceded come from the Western Conference. Yeah, so they're scoring a lot, not conceded. I mean, are we going to forget that this, like, Phoenix was in the finals last year against Louisville and played pretty well? And they, they, they played got- okay against a team that, uh, look, Louisville can attack in bunches and they're great at getting in behind for teams that. Uh, come out and attack. But both of those teams, in my opinion, in the final last year, really looked more like they were playing not to lose as opposed to playing to win. I Yeah, I would say so. But I mean, Phoenix got 
a lot better, I think. I think, especially with two former Red Bull 2 players playing very well in Aguinaga and Flemings, I mean, you know, we another and, and another one in the West is playing well for the Real Monarchs and Douglas Martinez, too. Okay, that's we, fair. We really, we really haven't, we haven't really talked about like a lot of the talent, like attacking talent that left Red Bull Two and now is in the Western Conference and playing well. There is a very famous sign on a bridge uh, if you are going through the Trenton area that says "Trenton makes the world takes." It has never been more true about the Red Bulls that they make and the world takes. So many of their players have gone on <laughs> to populate this league, and that's a big reason why I talk about. Uh, the, when you hear the, the talk about teams moving down from the, the championship down to league one, it's so frustrating. Look, how, how can you punish the Red Bulls when they've been supplying most of the league with top notch <laughs> talent for the last three seasons? I don't know. Cause I, I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of teams like the fact that they keep supplying even though they keep supplying them with a lot of attacking talent, they keep making the the Eastern Conference Finals and USL and almost almost making the USL Championship Finals too. Yeah, look, I mean, last year they fell apart at the end when they pushed forward, but they were in it throughout. Not too bad, not too bad, guys. Um, anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap this up? Um, no, I think that's about it. Uh, I do, well, I, I do want to see. I hope the Red Bulls two continues to play well this season because i do want to see a home playoff game at montclair state for once i fully agree and they look like they might be on track to at least get one of those so keep your fingers uh, yeah, crossed guys nice. i mean <laughs> it would be nice for them not to go on the road every single playoff game again it would be nice not only for them to be able to host a playoff game but for these cranky red bull fans who are, are insisting that the teams are well i guess they don't insist that the two team is terrible but that insists that the Red Bulls won are terrible. All right, fine. You want to hate on that team? Come see the two team. What's your problem? True. Get out to Montclair, guys. <laughs> Ugh. I mean, they they have dollar hot. Maybe one of those games will be on Friday for dollar hot dog. Right? Yeah, yeah, I doubt it. Not that I doubt the dollar <laughs> I mean, hot dog. Be- Not that it wouldn't be on a Friday, but I doubt that anybody's coming out for it. You jerks. <laughs> you heard it here. You got to get over here and help the Rampage they need numbers. They need people really cranking up the volume down there. The guys who are there are doing their part, but they need they those need stands more better numbers. be full if they make if if they have a home playoff game. Fully agree. Stands. They need to to fill up those stands. Anyway, that's our show for tonight. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at Jasteen fifteen. And if you want to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's on Twitter. You can follow my work and Joe's work at the Red Bulls News Network at rbnn.us and on Twitter at rbnewsnetwork. Uh, we're going to have lots of great content continuing throughout the season. Come around, find it, read it, move along. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> uh, you can find us at facebook.com slash raising bulls. We're on, we're at raising where we put all of our episode. You can even send us questions to questions at raising bulls.com. And we'll be happy to answer them. Our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, find us, rate us, review us. It means everything. I realize every week I'm like, Hey, if we're not on your favorite podcast, uh, uh, aggregator, let us know and we'll get there. How the heck would you even know if we're not on the one that you're using? You're not listening to us. 
So if there's anybody out there with some suggestions of, of other uh, podcast aggregators we should be on, tell us. Let me know. We're part of the Beautiful Game Network at BGN.FM. They cover MLS, USL, Premier League, and NWSL. They've got a ton of great shows like Speedway Soccer, The Curse Cast, Six Point Weekend, Off Pitch Podcast, Orange and Black Soccer Cast, Rising is One, Bond Goals, Play the Kids, 1868 Weekly, Down in the Valley, Old Glory Red Report, St. Louis Soccer Report, and so much more. They've got a ton of great podcasts covering everything in the USL that you would ever want to listen to, and a ton of great written content. Highly recommend uh, going back after last week's discussion about the USL two teams. Uh, Ira Jersey did a great piece uh, a couple of months ago about B team attendance the world round, not just in MLS. It's not just, or sorry, not just in USL. It's not just an issue here. It's an issue everywhere. And it's not as big a deal as it's being made out to be. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Golden Gold Press. They're the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. For myself and Mr. Joe Steen, thank you very much and have a great night. Mm-hmm.